What a beautiful time in worship. Thank you, Holly, for that. Before I get into my message today, I want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, number one, our Easter vision. We are for sure not going to be in our location until at the earliest, April 26th. So we have an Easter vision where we want to reach over a thousand people in our online service. Just this past Sunday, we reached over 430 people just on Sunday alone watching our service. So if everyone will get involved, if you'll help us out, what we would like for you to do is share these posts, invite your friends, invite your family to come, because I believe we can win just one more. Let me tell you some of the other things that I've heard happening. If you've been watching my daily devotionals, uh, you've heard me say this, but Robert Morris typically has 35,000 people in attendance on a Sunday morning and a Saturday. They do Saturday and Sunday services. Uh, on his first online viewing services, they had 195,000 tune in. Uh, Craig Rochelle normally sees 1,000 Decisions for Christ every weekend services uh, throughout his church. But on the first weekend that they did online church only, they saw 15,000 people come to Christ. Folks, we can reach over 1,000 people on Easter Sunday. We're, we still have our Easter invitation. You can forward that electronically to some of your family and friends. Hey, you never know, it might be your family member. It might be your friend. It might be your coworker that gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Let's win just one more, amen? Also, I want to remind you of the daily devotionals. We share those every day. We film other than Sunday. We do the worship service, but Monday through Saturday, we have a daily devotional for you, and it's, it's inspirational. It's encouraging. We want you to share those as well. Maybe somebody will get saved. Be encouraged. Be filled with hope just from that. And then finally, I also want to share my heart on giving. We want you to give online. We want you to text to give. Those are ways that you can do that. Uh, it's, in, it's very important in this season and this time that you continue to give. Uh, one, it obviously meets budget for the church. But two, there's a lot of things that we're doing around the community. We're going to be helping out Deer Park. We're going to be helping out members who uh, don't have the finances. Maybe they've been laid off at work or they need help and assistance in these tough times. And so we're going to be doing that. So if you will continue to give and support through online giving, text to give, and so forth, uh, we would appreciate it. Well, now I've, uh, I've got a word from the Lord for you today, and I'd like for you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. If you've been in church long, this will probably be familiar to you. I'm going to preach on the subject, don't worry, be happy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 through, 24 through 34 and the New American Standard Bible says, No one can serve two masters. Rather, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> can add a single hour to his life? Verse 28. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, for they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or where will we wear what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek, eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your presence and the beautiful time in worship. And now, God, I pray you anoint this word, anoint me to preach forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in need. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Let the seed be planted in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. I thank you for this opportunity to be in this church here this day to bring forth this word. And I pray, God, may you add your many blessings to your word. In Christ's name we pray. And those of you sitting at home, if you will, say a good amen. Amen. I want to just thank uh, Heritage Church here in Moultrie, Georgia, for letting us come into their youth department and film here today. And uh, But I want to get right into the message. The Bible says uh, we're not to worry. Uh, in fact, I've titled this, Don't Worry, Be Happy. It's like the old song goes, Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Aren't you glad Holly does the praise and worship now? <laughs> In 1929, J.C. Penney's business was highly unstable, and so he began to worry. He began, he was sleepless. He contracted shingles through this. Uh, they tried to tranquilize him to help him sleep, but it, nothing worked. He just worried so terribly about his business. And finally, J.C. Penney, one day in 1929, during the stock market crash, the Great Depression, he was so in such turmoil, he thought he was going to die. And so he laid there on the bed, and then he began to hear singing in the room next to him, which was the hospital chapel. And he heard the song, no matter what may be the test, God will take care of me. Suddenly he leaned up thinking, it is real. God really does love and care for me. All at once, in no time, he jumped out of his bed. He entered the chapel where he, a miracle took place in his soul, and his life was forever changed. What is worry? Worry is a feeling of uneasiness about an uncertain or threatening future event like the coronavirus. It is also a feeling of uneasiness about a past event. There are symptoms that come about when we talk about worry and that are associated with worry. Things like uneasy feeling, anxiety maybe you're feeling at this point in time, the inability to relax, tension headaches, sleeplessness, heart palpitations, feelings of tightness in the chest, belching, nausea, diarrhea, you name it. I want to tell you, folks, it is not God's will for us to worry. As a matter of fact, it is a sin. We need to take on uh, the, the Lion King song as part of our, our, our mantra, Akuna Matata. It means no worries. Akuna Matata. It's our problem-free philosophy. Akuna Matata. Akuna. 
Matata, Akuna, Matata. We need to have a no no worries kind of lifestyle. We need to we need to not worry about what's happening out there in the world. We need to go to God, and we're going to talk about this now. Some said, some have said that worry is the interest you pay on trouble that seldom ever comes. As a matter of fact, uh, psychologists have said that ninety percent of what you worry about never will actually happen to you. And the other 10%, I will add, you couldn't do anything about it anyway, so why worry? Poke your neighbor in your living room right there and say, don't worry, be happy. One man said it this way, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Norman Vincent Peale said it this way, the word worry, this is incredible, the word worry is derived from an old Anglo-Saxon word meaning to strangle or to choke. That's right. The root meaning and where the word was birthed out of was to strangle or choke. And that's exactly what worry does. It tries to strangle you and choke you. The devil wants you watching news all the time. So you'll worry and choke to death over the fact of America now maybe the epicenter of this coronavirus. And what's going to happen with the economy? And what about my family? And what about my finances? And what about this? And what about that? The devil wants to choke the life out of you with that. God wants to give you peace. Have you ever met someone who lives in the city of Worryville? They stay worried. What if this and what if that? Worst case scenario, this. And on and on it goes. Now listen, don't worry doesn't mean don't plan. Jesus spent his whole ministry planning for when he would be crucified to fulfill his plan of salvation. There's nothing wrong with planning. That doesn't mean you're worried. Don't worry doesn't mean don't plan. Because God, as early as Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3.15, he began a plan to save our souls from sin. Uh, one man did say it this way. Don't build the high rise until you have done the paperwork. It is not a sin to have things like life insurance and to plan for retirement. So we're not talking about that. Also, don't worry doesn't mean don't be concerned. If you're not concerned about your two-year-old running into oncoming traffic out on the road, then you're a terrible parent. There's a difference between being carefree and careless. Concern is attached to the present. Worry is attached to the future. Now we can take action on the present, but the future is out of our hands, folks. There's nothing we can do worrying about the future. Don't worry also doesn't mean don't be concerned over doing wrong. So a child disobeying their parent may worry over getting caught. An employee not doing right on the job may worry about the employer or the boss finding that they're not doing the right thing. A spouse may worry if they're committing adultery on their spouse that their spouse is going to find out. So we're not talking about those things. What I'm talking about is worry over the future, the anxiety over what's going on. That, man, we've got to put our lives, we've got to put our trust, we've got to put our hope in God. And Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, Ecclesiastes 8.15, he writes, So I recommend having fun. Because there's nothing better for people in the world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. God wants you to enjoy life and have joy even in the midst of these storms. Ecclesiastes 3.13, Solomon also writes, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. To enjoy life is the gift of God. He doesn't want us walking around popping Xanax pills and having ulcers in our stomachs because we're so worried. He wants us to enjoy life. 
In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We have the opportunity to kick fear to the curb and, to, and worry to the curb and anxiety to the curb and walk in peace. So, three times in this text, Jesus tells us, take no thought or don't worry, depending on what translation that you're in. The Amplified Version says, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried. Verse 24 begins, and, it, and it's very clear. Worry is idolatry, and it is a sin. Worry is not something that is permitted by God. It is a lack of faith in God. Why is it idolatry to sin? Because worry puts, puts more trust in self or circumstances than in Christ Jesus. It puts, more, it puts more trust in, in the circumstances of life or in what you can do than it does the Word of God. It's idolatry and it's a sin. So we've got to face this giant called worry. And that leads me to my first point in verse 25. Uh, God is basically saying that, hey, you know, I'm going to take care of you. As a matter of fact, he says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor yet for the body as to what you will put on is not the life more than food and the body than clothing. So point number one is this. Worry is inconsistent. Say it with me. Worry is inconsistent. Who made you? God. Who made and established the requirements of life like food and water, shelter and clothing? God. So God made you. God made the need for necessities. So if you truly believe that God is your creator, then you have to believe God is your sustainer. Hallelujah. God created us and he'll sustain us. But if you believe God is your creator but can't provide, then you are inconsistent in your faith. God puts you on this earth. God's going to provide your needs. And you'll do it according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and not your own. This is not about what you can manufacture, what you can do. God will take care of you. In verse 26, he talks about the birds, how they, they don't they don't reap, they don't they don't they don't reap, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store up in barns, but God still feeds them. And so point number two is this worry is irrational. See, worry says, Well, I know God can provide, but will God provide? A bird was worth basically one copper coin. A copper coin was one sixteenth of a day's wages. Let me tell you how insignificant. The cost of a bird was in Jesus' day. In Luke 12, 6 through 7, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. As, 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 as invaluable money-wise as birds and sparrows are, uh, he says, I've not forgotten them. He goes on to say, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, for some of us, a little easier than others. Do not fear, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. One translation says a whole flock of sparrows. In other words, if God is concerned about sparrows, how much more will he be concerned about you? Don't worry. God cares even about a little bird that has little worth. The hairs of your head being numbered. Do you not think God is going to take care of you? He says, oh, ye of little faith. It reminds me when I first started pastoring a church, we had these two guys, 
and our church and they worked together. And when one of them would say something that was lacking faith or was a statement that didn't include faith that was counting God out, the other one would look at him and go, oh ye, oh ye of little faith that was short for oh ye, oh ye. In other words, what we need to start doing as a church, Bridge of Hope, is when we hear someone around us or our own selves say something that lacks faith in God and His Word, we ought to say to self, self, oh ye, person, oh ye, oh ye of little faith, that's what God is saying here, oh ye of little faith, if I feed the birds, I'm going to feed you. He goes on in verse 27, and he's basically saying that, hey man, uh, worry, which is point number three, is futile. He says, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life or grow one bit? Worry is futile. It cannot bring one thing positive or productive. Worry is futile. Screaming in the mirror about your physical appearance isn't going to change one thing other than make veins pop out on your head and maybe give you a heart attack or a stroke. Don't do it. No matter how bad you want to grow, you can't by worrying about it. No matter how much you wish things can change, worrying about it will never change it. No matter how much you worry about the coronavirus or the effects on the economy or how it's going to deal with you personally, it is not going to change anything. Worry is not productive. It, it, there's no value in it. All it does is rob from you. It takes from you. It robs the peace of God from your life. It takes the joy out of life. Worry, you need to send it back to hell where it came from. Now, worry can't change anything, but prayer can. Somebody say a good amen. Number 16, 46 through 48 says this. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it along with burning coals from the altar, and hurry to the assembly, make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. The plague has started. Coronavirus has started. Verse 47, So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started from among the people. Coronavirus has already started. But Aaron, the high priest, offered the incense and made atonement before them. He stood between the living and the dead, and guess what? The plague stopped. Folks, you and I, everyone watching, we need to be praying multiple times every day that God have mercy and stop the plague of the coronavirus in Jesus' name. Did you know that a mouse living in a cage with a wheel in it will travel 9,000 miles in its lifetime? Yet it's still in a cage. Worry is the same way, folks. You can worry 24-7, and guess what? You're still locked in a cage of your own worry and anxiety. Worry doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrow. It robs today of its strength. I read one time that a dense fog covers that covers a seven-city block area that's 100 feet deep is composed of less than one glass of water. That's astounding to me. It is, however, divided into 60,000 million drops. So little water creates so much gloom. Worry and anxiety are just like that. A small amount can settle on you like a great cloud of gloom and keep you from enjoying life. Don't let it happen. In verse 28 through 30, uh, Jesus, this is the great sermon on the mount. If you've been with me to Israel, you've been to the Mount of Beatitudes. You've seen where he preached this, right there at the Sea of Galilee. And he says in these three verses, hey... Listen, the, the lilies of the field, the flowers, they grow up. They don't, they don't make themselves grow. They just grow. They don't spin and work, yet they're more beautiful than even Solomon in all his glory. 
And then God says the grass of the field, the flower is going to burn up one day. And he's talking about how the flowers, they don't even, they don't even work to do so. They just come up because that's the way God created them to. And so he says, don't worry. As, and point number four, my last point is this. Worry is illogical. Everybody say that with me. Worry is illogical. Solomon couldn't even compare the beauty of a lily. Couldn't even compare to it. Did you know that God created lilies and flowers for our pleasure, your pleasure? To God, you are so much more important than a lily or a flower that will lose its petals and will fade away within a season. Folks, how much does God care about the things that you're worried about? I'll tell you what, this much. Do you see that cross right there? He displayed it on the cross. Let me ask you a second. i got a question for you to hear today. Why would God suffer and die for the same children that he planned to neglect? Let me ask it again. Why would God suffer and die on an old rugged cross for the same children that he planned to neglect? The answer is he wouldn't. God is not going to neglect us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to throw in the towel on us. God, even in the midst of the coronavirus and everything going on with the economy and the sicknesses and the deaths and everything else, God will take care of us. Somebody say hallelujah. Worry devalues a person. Did you know that? Worry devalues people because it makes us think we have less value than birds or grass or flowers. And we have far more value than those things. I love Psalm 139, 13 and 14. It says, for you formed me, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Wonderfully here in the scripture means to be distinguished, to put a difference, show marvelous, separate. Set apart to make wonderfully. Did you know Genesis 1.27? God said we were created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. Animals, plants, trees, none of that was created in his image. We, human beings, were created in his image. That's how valuable we are. He made us to be like him, to look like him. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Matthew 5, 13 and 14 says we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 139, 17 and 18, he goes on to say, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. Listen, if I should count them, your thoughts, God's thoughts toward us, about us, they would outnumber the sand. He has such precious thoughts for you. God's not going to abandon you in this troublesome time. He's not going to throw the towel against you. He's not going to say, yeah, I'm done with you. He's not going to say, well, who cares about you? He loves you and cares about you so much that if you could count the sand on the seashore, you still wouldn't reach the number of his wonderful thoughts towards us. As a matter of fact, he said precious thoughts. Everybody say precious. That's right, precious. Precious means to esteem, to be prized, to be valuable. To be costly. More precious thoughts than the sand. We could never reach the end of all the precious thoughts God has for us. If he has such precious thoughts for us, do you think he's going to make you go without? Do you think that he's just going to let you starve? No. He's going to take care of you. If you'll put your trust in him, he will provide. He will cover you. He will protect you. Psalm 45 says this. Psalm 40 and verse 5 says... 
Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, your wonderful works and your thoughts to me, he says they are more than can even be numbered. That's how much God loves us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. In verse 31 through 32, he continues to write in Matthew here, and he basically says worrying is having a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. Listen, it's understandable for people that are not God's children to worry about food and water and shelter and clothing. But folks, if you've got a covenant with God, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, you know better. We know better. The world doesn't have what we have. They're not part of God's kingdom. They're not part of the kingdom of God. Yes, it's understandable that they worry about necessities in life, but we know better. There are too many Christians living in worry. And when the old worries are gone, it's like they look for new worries. They want to be worried about something. They depend on worry. They view life through worry. And they've forgotten that there's any other way to live. But glory to God, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care. The word care there is anxiety. Casting all your anxiety upon it, for he cares for you. So what's the answer for all this? We understand that worry is inconsistent and it's, and it's illogical and it's futile. And, and, it, and it makes no sense and we shouldn't do it and we know it's a sin. What is the answer? The answer is found in verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things shall be added unto you. Glory to God. Here's the formula, folks. Are you ready? Seek God first. Set some. Focus on this, and God will work it all out. In verse 34, he says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. It worries. got enough worries for itself. You ever tried to carry all the grocery bags at once and you didn't make it? Yeah, and by the time you cleaned the eggs off the driveway, you thought, I'm going to make a second trip next time. I don't know about you, but when I tell Aaron to go help his mom with the groceries, he tries to get them all and sometimes he might drop them. And I say, son, just take a second trip. It's not that big of a deal. Jesus is telling us, carry today's bags today and make a fresh trip tomorrow. In other words, concentrate on one thing at one time and one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow's stress. Listen, don't worry about coronavirus tomorrow or what the economy is going to look like a month from now. Trust God today. Mark Twain said this. I love Mark Twain. He said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. Isn't that so true? Isn't so many times the things that you've worried so much about, you've worried sick about, laid awake in the middle of the night and it's just eat you up. And you couldn't eat, you couldn't sleep, and then it never happened. Why worry? Don't worry about yesterday's mess, success, or distress. Check out this little poem I found. I love it. Speaks very well of worry. And then we're going to close with a story and pray. The poem says, all the water in the world, however hard it tried, could never sink a ship unless it got inside. All the hardships of this world might wear you pretty thin, but they won't hurt you one least bit unless you let them in. The devil wants you to lay awake all night long and sweat and take Xanax pills and, 
and have ulcers and not be able to function in life over the coronavirus and what's going on. But as long as you don't let it in, you will have the peace of God. You have a choice today, Bridge of Hope. You have a choice today who's watching. You can let the peace of God in or worry in. The choice is yours. As for me and my house, I'm going to let peace in. I'm going to let the fruit of the Spirit in. I like life a whole lot better with peace and joy and sleeping soundly at night than with all that junk. And you have that same opportunity. Both, all of us can do that right now. Let me close with this story. In India, if you are walking through rural ro roads, you'll occasionally come across a post with a steady, a sturdy shelf about shoulder height. Right in the middle of the rural roads and just out there is a post and a sturdy shelf about shoulder height. It's called Samatanga, which means resting place. When people are traveling with a heavy load, they come across that and they lay their load down and they rest. When they feel rested, they pick it back up so they can continue their journey. What do you think Christians in India call Jesus? My Samatanga, my resting place. Folks, today Jesus is your resting place. If you'll just lay your burdens down at his feet. If you'll just exchange with him. He said to take his burden for his light and his yoke for it's easy. He said we could come unto him all ye that are laid heavy. Uh, uh, that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly and hearty. You shall find rest unto your souls. Take my yoke for it's easy. My burden for it's light. Matthew 11, 28 Listen, he wants you to rest so you can continue this journey in life. You can cast your care upon him. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want, you to, I want you to do that now. I'm going to pray with you. If you're listening to me, you've never accepted Jesus Christ. If you don't know what it's like to have a samatanga, a resting place in God, you can find that out right now. You don't have to worry another second in this world wondering what's going to happen to you. You can put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. He'll wash away all your sins. You'll be what the Bible says, born again. All you got to do is believe. It's ABC. Admit that you've done wrong. Hey, we're Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10. None of us have done good. Not even one. So we've all done wrong. All of us. B. Believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He died on a cross. He was buried in a grave. He arose three days later and he ascended to the Father and defeated death, hell, and the grave. He paid the price for our sins. He paid the ransom due. And see, confess. Confess he's Lord and Savior. It's that simple. Would you like to do that right now? Your life will never be the same. Listen, it's good that you're watching now and that's wonderful. But if you'll give your life to Jesus, he'll change your life and your family heritage and your family ancestry going forward forever and ever. He'll change your whole family lineage. Will you give your heart to Jesus? He wants to save you and fill you with hope and peace. I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongs, for all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. I repent of my sins. Which means I turn away from them and I turn to you. Thank you, Lord, that I am now saved. Thank you that your precious blood washes all my sin away. And my name 
is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise for those that have gotten saved? As Holly is going to come and she's going to sing a little song for us, I want to ask you, do you have cares that you need to set down at the feet of Jesus today? Do you need to, to, to set some anxieties down? Do you need to set some fears down? Are there things weighing you down? Has the news gotten to you? All of the scuttlebutt about the coronavirus. Wondering how you're going to eat, what you're going to do. I want to ask you, do you need to cast your care upon the Lord? Here's what we're going to do. Just before Holly, she's going to sing a little acapella, casting all our care upon him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think right now, right where you're sitting, about all the anxieties, all the troubles, all the issues you've got. And I want you just to symbolically, like you're grabbing it with your hand. And just take it out. Just take it out and hold it in front of you. Just like that. You too, Holly. I want you to do it too. And so, uh, yeah, she's going to do it too. And so there they are. There's all your anxieties. There's all your fears. There's all your worries. Everything that's been stressing you out. It's right there in your hand. Are you ready? You're going to do one of the most profound things you've ever done in your life. As soon as, when I count to three, we're all at the count of three going to open our hands and let it go. And we're going to give it to God. And we're going to let God Fill us with peace. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Oh. Wow. Lord, may your peace come upon us now. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let this song minister to you. And if you know it, won't you sing along with Holly right where you're sitting? Cast all your cares upon the such peace and may God fill you with peace. I've got a few closing instructions and things that I'd like to share with you. Uh, if you receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, I'd like for you to text the word believe 
to the number listed on the screen. And uh, we just want to share some next steps with you and reach out to you. Also, if you would like to connect with us, we'd like for you to text the word CONNECT to the same number and uh, that's on the screen. And we'd be honored to reach out to you. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Make sure that you stay connected to us through with us throughout the week via Facebook and Instagram and uh, uh, YouTube. We're doing daily devotions, hopefully to inspire you throughout the week. We want you to stay safe and be blessed. And we will be seeing you soon. God bless you.